0: Well, good morning and welcome to Pikes v. Christian Church. Man, we are so glad you're here this morning. My name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Our senior pastor, uh, Pastor Darren Rondi, is uh, on a missions trip for the next couple of weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday. Um, so I get the, the pleasure of being with you and, and walking us through uh, God's word and, and what he's saying to us. Um, if you are new here and you're not sure what we do here, man, I just want to say a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you are here uh, this morning, uh, that you've made the Decision to come and join us. I know it can be scary to come into a new place, so thank you so much uh, for being here this morning. Um, If you are new, there's a couple of things, really just one thing we want you to know uh, about our church, and it's this, that we exist to help more people more often say yes to God. Uh, We believe God has a plan for your life, that God has uh, things that he wants to do in your life, and that those are good things. We want to help you embrace them and walk on that path with God uh, for your whole life. And so that's what we're here to do this morning. That's what we do um, every time this building is open. That's what happens. It'll happen this morning uh, in here. It happened already this morning in our kidmen, men and our student men. It's going to happen again this hour in kidmen, uh, It'll happen tonight with student men. It'll happen all through the week with different programs and things going on. Um, everything we do, uh, we do to help people say yes to God. But sometimes... Helping people say yes to God means walking with them in some of the hard seasons, the difficult moments of life. And, and for many in our community, many in this church, many parents, many teachers, many... Um, employees of Widefield District 3, this was a very difficult week as uh, we suddenly said goodbye to uh, Tracy Zateka, who was the principal at Talbot Elementary, uh, where my kids go to school, where many of your kids go to school. Um, Jesus called her home uh, far too quickly Um, and very, very unexpectedly, and so what we want to do this morning is just take a moment uh, and pray for those of you uh, who knew her, who were close to her, her family. Um, She was very, very committed to our community. Uh, She'd worked in Widefield for many years, was a very, very uh, special person in the Widefield District 3, and we just want to lift her and her family up together and walk with them through this difficult season this morning. So church, would you pray with me uh, for this? Heavenly Father, Father, I know that grief is a gift even though it doesn't feel like it and I thank you for it. God, I thank you for the memory of this woman and her legacy, the way that she loved students, the way that she took care of employees, the way that she uh, ministered uh, from her position as a principal to parents. God, I thank you for her impact on this community and so many generations uh, that knew her. God, I thank you for those things. And Father, I thank you, too, for the promise in Scripture, uh, Father, that that you know what it feels like to lose a friend, to lose someone close to you. And when your friend passed away, God, you wept. And so you know the tears, you know the sadness, the sorrow that is being experienced by so many in our community. And Father, I ask that you would not take the sadness from us, not take the grief from us, but rather, Father, that you would help us to grieve well, help us to remember well. God, that you would walk with us through these difficult moments, difficult, this difficult season. Uh, Father, that you would bring hope and peace and even joy into the midst of it, because that's who you are. And so, Father, we look to you uh, to lead us, to guide us, to be our comfort and our presence um, through this season. God, we look to you uh, to be that for the family, for the friends, for the employees. Uh, God, all those who knew this family um, and, and who are affected. God, who are mourning this great loss. We love you. We thank you, God, for your presence. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Well, you know, in these seasons, in these difficult, hard Moments. Oftentimes it is tempting um, to, to lose faith. It's tempting to question God. It's tempting to lose hope. And uh, sometimes it's hard to maintain those things. It's hard to hold on to uh, the promises of God when, when things don't seem to be going the way that we think they should in these difficult and hard seasons. But this morning uh, we're going to look at a story of someone who was asked to do a very difficult thing, someone who was asked to do a really, really hard, nearly impossible thing, and how God led him to keep faith through that, how God allowed him to to stay hopeful and to stay um, faithful to God through this really, really hard and difficult thing. And hopefully from that, we can learn for us how we can have faith, how we can have hope and joy and peace in the midst of some of the hardest trials and circumstances circumstances in life. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22. This is part six of our uh, origins series, um, and I, we're titling this Passing the Test, and you're going to see why uh, here in just a few minutes. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to put all the text uh, up on the screen so you can follow along there uh, behind me. Uh, but before we dive into the text, I, I've been doing an informal poll all morning, and I want to see if this uh, congregation, this portion of the congregation, holds true to what we've seen uh, already this morning. So, I have one question uh, that I'm going to ask you, and I just would encourage you, you know, to raise your hand if this is true about you. Um, what I'm going to ask you is, is this How many of you in this room like pop quizzes? Uh huh. Uh huh. I knew there were a couple. It's okay. At the end of the service, we're going to have a prayer time. You guys come down front. We're going to pray. No, um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I actually um, have a daughter. Who is among you, um, you few, who actually enjoy pop quizzes and tests? In fact, uh, my daughter recently uttered these words um, State testing is next week. That's my favorite week of the year. I know, I know. I can't believe it either. Um. I also, Especially if you knew what my grades were in school. Anyway, um, I also have a son um, who does not love tests, who um, has anxiety about them, who hates tests, who will do anything he can to get out of tests because it's that stressful for him. But here's what I know about these two children of mine. My daughter Grace um, has been blessed in, in such an amazing way. School is just easy for her. guys know anybody like that? Where it just is easy. Like everything is, it just makes sense to her. She learns it the first time. She can hear it one time and remember it. She doesn't have to study for tests because it just is, like she just remembers these things, right? Like anybody know somebody like that? Just me? Okay, well that just tells me how special she is. Um, But but she is, right? She's amazing in that way. God has blessed her. I'm so thankful uh, for that. I used to think it was my parenting and then I realized that has nothing to do with it. Um, It's a gift from God. Uh, But my son over here, man, he is, um, he's gifted at a lot of things, but school is not one of them. And it is a struggle for him every single day to get through the lessons and the homework. It's just hard. It just doesn't come natural for him. It doesn't come easy for him. And and what I noticed in in talking to the two of them about uh, their perceptions on tests is that my daughter enjoys tests because she feels like she's prepared for the test. She's ready for it going in. She has a confidence about her that says, hey, I've taken enough tests over the years that I know I'm going to know most of the answers. I'm confident in myself that I'm going to be able to get a good score on this test because I always get good scores on these tests. My son doesn't have that confidence. Right? It's a struggle for him. It's difficult for him. When we have a good, uh, good test score, man, we celebrate like it is the end of the world because it's amazing, right? So very, very different perspectives. But it's the confidence that allows her to walk into the test saying, hey, I'm going I'm to take this on. I can do this. I, I, I've got this, right? And so the question for us is how do we get that confidence? Because trials are going to come in life. Difficult things are going to come. Hardships are going to come. So how do we have the confidence to walk through those difficult things and walk through those tests? Well, in order to answer that, we're going to look this morning at, I think, what might have been the hardest pop quiz ever given. It was given to a man named Abraham. Uh, Now, if you've been around the last few weeks, you'll know uh, that back in January, we started, uh, the beginning of January, we started this series called Origins. Uh, We've been going through the book of Genesis. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we got to the point of the story where we're introduced to this man named Abraham, or Abram, whose name would later be changed to Abraham. Uh, And Abraham becomes a central figure in this story. And God's really uh, going to unpack his plan uh, for the world through this man named Abraham. And we've seen Abraham do some pretty cool things. We've seen him do some pretty dumb things. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, here in a minute. But but Abraham is a central character. And, and this story that we're going to look at today centers on Abraham. But this is really like the thing that Abraham would be known for. This is the, the pinnacle event of his life. This test right here. And Abraham walks into it. So let's see uh, what this test is all about and exactly what happens here. Here's what it says. Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Abraham said, Abraham said here I am. Take your son, this is God speaking, he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. That's the worst test ever. Take your son, your only son, and go sacrifice him. I mean, can you even imagine Can, can you imagine saying yes to that? Can you imagine being like, hey, great, here comes a test. I mean, this is, this is awful. This is a horrible thing. And, and I don't know that we fully understand the significance of this moment. See, Isaac is their only son, but Isaac didn't come to them easily. See, they waited 25 years from the time that God said, you're going to have a son, before Sarah was pregnant. And then another, uh, almost a year before Isaac was born. And so 26 years in the waiting for this child to be born, waiting 26 years for this son to be born. And if that wasn't hard enough, Isaac doesn't just represent a son. He's not just a son. He, he is the son of the promise, See, if we were to rewind and go back to Genesis chapter 12, what we would find, uh, or what you may remember, is that God called Abraham out of his father's land uh, to the land that he would show him, and there was a promise with that, that if Abraham would follow God and go there, God would bless him, make his descendants as numerous as the stars, and that all of the nations would be blessed by Abraham and his family. And God continued to reiterate that promise all along the way. And so what we see in Isaac is not just a son that was waited 26 years for, but rather a promise that has been in waiting for 30. Uh, Now almost 40 years ago, God made this promise. And finally, it seems like the promise is going to happen. God is going to deliver on what he said he was going to do through Isaac. And now he wants me to give that up? Can you imagine? I mean, this is everything that Abraham and Sarah have waited for. It's everything they've hoped for. It's Their whole entire life has been centered around this thing for the last 30 or 40 years. And God says, go and sacrifice it. Now, I don't know about you guys. But I don't know that I would pass that test. I don't know that if God told me right now to do that, that I would have the faith to say, yeah, I'm going to go do that. Like, I don't know. But Abraham, he, he somehow musters the faith, and he, he decides the very next morning, the text tells us that early the next morning, like he doesn't even sleep in. He doesn't hit the snooze button and be like, yeah, we're going to get to that eventually. Early the next morning, he gets up. He loads up the donkey. He takes his son and two servants, and they head out in the direction that God told them to go. They travel three days to get there. When they get to the base of the mountain, God says, this is the mountain. Abraham dismounts Gets the stuff for the burnt offering, gets the stuff for the altar, gets all of the equipment. He loads the, the logs for the fire for the offering onto his son Isaac. We know Isaac has to be probably eight or nine, maybe even closer to 10 or 12 in this moment because Isaac is carrying up the mountain. He's carrying the firewood. Uh, and Isaac has seen this done before. He's seen some offerings happen before. And, and in this moment, Isaac's confused, right? Abraham's going ahead with God's plan, and Isaac's a little bit confused because he's got the wood he sees dad's got the fire and the knife to sacrifice the offering uh, but he says hey dad i I see we got all the stuff where's the offering now imagine being abraham in that moment i mean what do you say right I, i mean how do you answer that question well this is what abraham says to him he says god will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering my son So they went, both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there. He laid the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Don't miss the details in this, right? I mean, it's one thing to believe that God's going to provide a substitute offering, that that God just wants to see if I'll go. And so we go to the top of the mountain and we sit there and wait for a ram to show up. But that's not what Abraham does. It's one thing to think, okay, God really wants to know how much I trust him. So I'm going to go ahead and put Isaac on this altar and then wait for what God is going to do. Surely God's going to intervene. Surely something's going to happen and God's going to provide a substitute of some sort. I mean, that's what Abraham says uh, to Isaac. But that's not what Abraham does. He doesn't go to the top and wait. He draws the knife to kill his only son. He is going to go through with this. How on earth could he do that? How did he have the faith to do that? How did he have the strength to do that? What was he thinking in that moment that he was able to lift the knife to kill his son. Well, Fortunately for us, that question is answered by the writer of the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 11, we'll put it up on the screen, and it tells us that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. So this is the faith that Abraham has. Abraham says, I trust God enough that if I go and do this, if I'm obedient to God, if I actually sacrifice my son the way God has told me to, That God will just raise him from the dead. That's how much faith Abraham has. That God is going to deliver on his promise. That God's going to do what he said he was going to do. Abraham trusted God. He believed that God was going to raise his son from the dead. Now, it's interesting that Abraham had that kind of faith. Because Abraham... He didn't start out with that kind of faith. I mean, yes, when God called him, uh, he said, yes, I'll go. And he got up the next day and, and left to go where God was showing him to go. And Abraham displays faith there. But then when God sent him down into Egypt and another time when God sent him into another town, um, Abraham becomes afraid uh, that his wife is so beautiful that the people in that town are going to want her for their themselves. And so he tells people and tells Sarah, hey, pretend like you're my sister so that I won't be killed. I mean, that doesn't sound like a man of great faith to me. It sounds like a man who's scared. And it's bad enough that he did it the first time. I don't know why Sarah didn't leave him after that. But he does it Again. He did two times. Like, there's no way that he's staying married, probably not staying alive, right? But, but this is what happens, right? He does these things, and God is still faithful, and God still walks with him, and God still grows him and teaches him out of them. That's not the only time he showed a lack of faith. He and Sarah both showed a lack of faith when God was too slow in bringing them the son that they thought they were going to get. And so Sarah, as you'll remember, offers up Hagar, her servant, and says, hey, go, Abraham, we're not having kids, go sleep with my servant Hagar, and we'll have kids that way. And so Abraham does that, and God says, no, 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 that's not what I had in mind, this is not the son of the promise, it's coming, hold fast, but God is still faithful to him. And so this is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to understand, because sometimes we look at these moments of great faith displayed in scripture or great faith displayed in testimony, of what we hear from other people, and we see this amazing faith played out, and we forget that it didn't start there. Abraham didn't get called to leave his father's land. The first conversation with God and Abraham was not, hey, go sacrifice your son. It was, follow me. Let me show you who I am. Let me unpack for you. Let me develop you. Let me grow you. Let me grow your faith. And we know this is how it works, that over time, God tests us. God brings us trials. He brings us challenges. He allows these things to come into our life because he wants to grow us. We know this is how it works because the author of James tells us this is exactly how it works. In James chapter 1, we find this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing." And this is exactly what God has done for Abraham. He's given him these tests. Some of them he's passed, some of them he's failed. But in every moment, God was with him, growing his faith, developing his faith, developing steadfastness, bringing him to completeness, bringing him to perfection. And so when God takes him to the mountain and says, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son whom you love, God already knew what was in Abraham's heart. God had walked with him to this point. He walked with him up the mountain. He had developed his faith to a point where Abraham could could say yes I'm going to do this and raise the knife and in that moment God of course intervenes and here's what he does he says stop do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God I'm going to pause for just a second because our cultural context tells us that fear is a bad word We kind of have a negative perception about that word, but I want you to understand that word in this context. See, when God says, now I know that you fear me, he's not saying, now I know that you're terrified of me, and and you're going to respond out of fear to me. What he's saying here is, Abraham, now I know that you revere me. Now I know that you worship me. Now I know that you love me. Now I know that you've put me in the proper place as God over your life. Now I know that I truly am your God, and you trust me as such. That's what he's saying in this word fear. And so now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son and he named the place the Lord shall provide because God provided in that moment. It's an incredible story of faith. And God tests Abraham's faith. But you know what I, I find in this? I realized as I was reading this that there are different kinds of tests. We think of tests often as a moment where I need to prove myself. I need to prove how much I know, or or how much I'm capable of, or or that I can do this thing. I remember uh, being in the Air Force and regularly taking a PT test, and that's exactly what a PT test is: is prove that you are in good enough fitness to continue uh, being in this branch of the military. That's exactly what it was. But there were other tests, right? Uh, in the military, where I had to go and test for promotion. Uh, and in those moments, I had to prove my knowledge. I had to show that I had more knowledge than most of my peers in order to be promoted above them. I was being graded against them um, in, in that way. Different kinds of tests. And we face different kinds of tests in life, but, but we tend to think that when God is testing us, he's checking to see if we can pass or not. But see, this is a, a, a misconception of what God wants to do. Because in the test, God is developing us. He's growing us. The test is more of a challenge. It's saying, I'm going to put this in front of you to see what you do with it so that you can grow your faith, so I can stretch you, so that I can make you better, so that I can increase you. And we know that this is the way that it works. We saw it in James. But most of us, we face those tests and trials, and our first instinct is to run away. We say, God, I, I don't want the test. God, would you take this away? Would you take this hard thing away? God, would you just, would you just deal with this? Because I don't want to walk through this. I don't want to go through this. And part of that is because we sometimes... Don't have the confidence or we've misunderstood the type of test. We think that God is trying to see if we're good enough, but that's not what God is doing. What he wants to do is not prove that you're good enough, but show you that he is good enough to grow your faith in that moment. And there's a beautiful, beautiful picture of this playing out in the book of Mark. When Jesus is walking along one day and there's a a man whose son is demon-possessed. And this demon has been throwing him into the fire and doing all kinds of terrible things to his son. And the man runs up to Jesus and says, Jesus, would you have mercy on us? And the man literally says, have if you can do anything. Jesus, if you can do anything. And Jesus' response is what we expect. If you can, anything is possible for one who believes. The problem is we think that Jesus stops there. But he doesn't stop there. What's the man's response? I do believe. Help my unbelief. And so often, God wants to put us in these positions where he says to us, I'm gonna stretch your faith, I'm gonna stretch your belief, and I'm gonna put you in a position where you have to say, I do believe, help my unbelief. And God comes alongside and grows our faith and stretches us so that we can be complete and perfect, not lacking anything, and able to walk through that trial, walk through that test, like Abraham did. God brings us to those moments, and it's not easy. In fact, it may be the most difficult thing in the world sometimes to walk through those moments of trial and testing. Even as I look out across this room, I see faces, and I know some of the trials you've gone through. I know some of the tests you've walked through, and I know how difficult it is to have faith in the moment to say, I believe, help my unbelief. I know how difficult it is when, when you think you finally got your finances figured out and you're gonna be okay and, and everything is working the way that it should be, and all of a sudden you're driving down the road and boom, two flat tires. And you go, God, what what are you doing? You could have protected my tires? Like this didn't have to happen to me. I, I don't know how I'm going to afford this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. God, where are you in this moment? Some of you, some of you have this question of God, God, where are you? How can I trust you when those orders drop again after it seems like they just got home? God, how could you do this to our family? How could you allow us to walk through this? Why didn't you protect us from this? Some of you have had that moment after returning from the doctor. I can remember years ago, we took our son up to a children's hospital in Denver to have him tested, and the diagnosis came back. Your son has autism, and I thought, God, how can this be? How could you do this to us? We're, we've been faithful, we've been obedient, we've been in church our whole lives. We've prayed for this child, we've prayed over this child. God, what are you doing? I remember the moment, and I know some of you have had similar moments with your children, or your grandchildren. And I remember when my friend came back from the doctor. Not the first time, not the second time, not the third time, but the fourth time. That the cancer's back a fourth time. And you God, I thought we beat this. I thought you took care of this. How can I trust you with this coming back over and over and over again? And this week... Many of us had that question in front of us, God, where are you when a beloved member of our community passed away so suddenly and unexpectedly? But when those moments come and we're tempted to say, I can't trust God. I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if I have faith to grow. I I don't know if I can even say, I believe, help my unbelief. I don't know if I can even do that. When those moments come, guys, this, this is what we do. We do what Abraham did. See, Abraham knew that God had been with him. Even when Abraham was unfaithful, God was with him. That God had been faithful for 30, 40 plus years. God had walked with him. He'd proven himself faithful. He'd proven that he was a good God. He proved that he was on Abraham's side. He proved that he was for Abraham no matter what. And we can look back, but you know what? We have an advantage that Abraham didn't have. Because when we face those trials, We don't just look to what God has done. We look to the cross. We look to the cross of Christ, because on that cross, Jesus proved once and for all that he was for us, that he would make a way when there was no way, that he would be by our side, that there was no trial, that he would not come after us for, that there was nothing that he would not do to get us back, to win us back, to make us victorious. He proved it on the cross. The scripture says it this way, that while we were still sinners, while we were still warring against God, fighting against him, still God's enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When God looked down at Abraham with a knife in his hand, he said, now I know that you love me because you did not withhold from me your son, your only son whom you love. Now we look at Jesus and we say, now we know that you love us because you did not withhold from us your only son whom you love. Whatever the test is, the answer is, I trust you, God. Help me grow my faith. Help me walk through this. Be with me. I want what you have for me, God. I trust you. I believe in you. And when it's hard, I look to the cross and know that you're for me. Guys, I know this is a difficult thing to do. (laughs) It's much easier to stand up here and preach a sermon on it than it is to actually do it readily acknowledge and recognize that but we want to help you this morning walk through whatever the challenge is whatever the trial is whatever you're facing this morning and so i'm going to ask if you would stand up and i'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down and be available up front Whatever you're facing this morning, whatever that trial is for you, whatever that that hard thing is for you, man, we are here. We wanna walk with you through it. We wanna pray with you. We wanna take you to the throne of Jesus and say, we believe, help our unbelief. We wanna walk you into a place of greater faith that God would grow you and bring steadfastness and bring perfection and bring completion into your life. We want to help you go there. And we are here to help you do that this morning. And so if you need prayer, come and pray with us. Come and pray while we worship and declare the goodness of who God is. Won't you come and pray? Now is the time. Now is the time to be set free. Now is the time to find hope. Now is the time to find joy. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Today, you can be set free from fear today. You can find joy today. You can find hope today. You can find faith today. You can find peace today. Won't you come and get it? Let's worship him.